there's something about just watching the greeting time from up here. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of service, to be honest with you guys. Um, it's just seeing the fellowship, seeing the, the smiles and the joys and, and people running all the way down the aisle to just give someone a hug. Uh, it really just is a blessing to see from up here. And I don't mean that in like a weird, creepy way, just to, to watch and to listen and see the fellowship. Uh, it, it just it does a lot for my heart, and then praise God for that. So as I mentioned before, today's service is a little bit different. I was really wrestling. I'm like, okay, does anywhere in the Bible does it say you need a 45-minute long sermon with three points and three applications? Uh, if I don't do that, am I going to get in trouble? Is anybody going to notice? Will people like a shorter sermon because it's a little shorter? Uh, so this morning, we, we wanted to focus on, on just some worship through songs and praise to God. And I thank you so much for, for being flexible and being patient um, with our church during this time as well. And I don't know, but just stepping away during holy, 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 something about that, and after reading Revelation 4, like if that's what heaven is all about, which it is, we have some exciting things. And just hearing the voices amplify back, crying out, holy, 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 praise God. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. We thank you that you are our loving, perfect Father, that you've given us amazing love and amazing grace. How can it be? So I just pray that during this time, you'll be glorified. I pray that I'm in tune with your spirit, that you guide me and direct me into what to say and what not to say. We love you, and I thank you for this church. I thank you for the fellowship. And we thank you for your word. We know your word is truth, and we can just delight in reading it together. In your holy and precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. At this time, I'd like to dismiss any children for Children's Church. They might have already ran out of here. Uh, I believe also the, the boys can be dismissed for a boys' class as well. Um, so I'll give you a few seconds to do that. If you have your Bibles, can you turn to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading a section that you've probably read before hundreds of times. You probably have most of it highlighted. And as you turn there, you're going to be like, oh, okay, I know exactly what this passage is all about. But I don't want us to just overlook the importance of what I'm going to mention or really what, what Paul mentions through God's Word here. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus to a bunch of Gentile believers about 30 years after Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and three days later rose again. So in this section, Ephesians chapter 2, the first 10 verses, what Paul does is he's clearly laying out God's plan of salvation. He's also reminding the believers what God has done for them. So what I want to do this morning is I want to read the word together, and every couple of verses I'm going to stop and just talk a little bit about it. I think it's important to slowly work through these verses and to see what Paul is telling these Gentile believers, but also in the same way telling us as believers in 2022. So Ephesians chapter 2, I'll read the first three verses. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now I'll pause there for one second. And what Paul is doing is he's reminding these believers 
who they were before Christ. And really, who we are apart from Christ. And apart from the cross and the finished work of of Christ's work on the cross. In verse 1, Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You're, you're, he's, he's sort of saying, we're like the walking dead, right? We're, we're physically alive, we're walking, we're talking. We, Hi, good morning. We have relationships, we, we love one another, right? But he's saying spiritually, we're dead. We're dead. Verse 2, he says, we're following the course of this world. And what he's ultimately saying there is, we're following Satan and his influence. Now, in the Bible, Satan is referred to the God of this world. And make no mistake, it's a lowercase g. It's not a capital G. It's lowercase g, the ruler of this world. This world is, is, is influenced by Satan. And whether people, if they're apart from Christ, Paul is saying you're following Satan. You're following the course of this world. And because we followed Satan, right, apart from Christ, as you're following Satan and you're not following God, Paul says this, we were sons of disobedience. Right? Because we weren't obeying God, we were obeying and listening to Satan, we're sons of disobedience to God. A preacher said this, Satan's supreme purpose for men is to not get them only to do evil things, but to think and believe evil things, especially about God. Right? Throughout Scripture, Satan likes to twist the Word of God Go back to Adam and Eve, twisting the word, questioning what God has commanded, and twisting it. Paul also says in verse 3, before we were in Christ, we're living for our own selfish desires. We're following the passions of our flesh. We're following the desires of our body and of our mind. And last week, we looked at the prodigal son together. And we looked at this prod, the, son that, the younger son that, that went away. He, he squandered his wealth in reckless living. What he was doing, he was choosing the desires of his heart, the desires of his flesh, right? He was choosing sin and being disobedient before God and also his Father. So in that same sense, Paul's saying, without Christ, before we were in Christ, we're following our selfish desires, we're following Satan, we're dead in our sin. And then at the end of verse 3, he calls us children of wrath. And that's a a little scary to think about. And really what he's saying is we're objects of God's condemning judgment because of our disobedience. The Bible's clear that sin has a price. The wages of sin is what? Is death. Right? Sin has a price. When we sin before God, we are deserving of His wrath. We are deserving of His punishment. We are not only children of disobedience, but we're children of wrath. And I want to continue reading Verses 4 to 6, and we see what God does. But God, and I want to pause for a second. If you don't have this underlined, I I encourage you, highlight it, underline it, start. But God, being rich in mercy because of the love, the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So those first three verses, right? Paul is saying, this is who we are apart from Christ. And these next few verses we read, he's reminding believers what God has done for us. What God has done for us in Christ. And it starts off with this, but God. 
being rich in mercy and because of his great love. And what he's saying is, despite our helplessness, despite our dead estate, right? besides our, our being dead in our trespasses, being sons of wrath or sons of disobedience, despite all of that, but God, being rich in mercy, and because of his great love, he's made us alive together with Christ Jesus. Verse 5, and you probably have heard this before, you might have it underlined already. By grace you have been saved. It's because of God's grace, because of his mercy, because of his love, that we have been saved. It's nothing that we've done, it's God's grace. Verse 6, not only did he save us and made us alive with Christ, but we see that he's also raised us up to be seated with the heavenly places with Christ. So even though we're physically here on earth, right, and, and we are, we're still going to continue to sin, we're, still, we're not going to be perfect, we're going we're to keep messing up. Right? And that's the whole point of the cross, is that we have uh, no condemnation, no guilt and shame. When we bring our sins before Christ, the Bible says in 1 John, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we, if we confess our sins to God. So even though we're physically still here on earth, right? we're, we're really not citizens of earth, but we're, we're in Christ Jesus, we're citizens of heaven. And Paul uses that in, in Philippians. Again, so spiritually, Paul's saying we've been seated on high with Christ our Savior. So one, he reminds us who we are apart or without Christ. He then says what God has done for us in Christ. What has he done? By grace, in his mercy, in his love, he saved us. And I want to continue the last three verses. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And in these last couple of verses here, Paul is saying this. He's reminding the believers why God did this. So, who we are before Christ, what God has done for us in Christ, and now, why has God decided to do this? Verse 7 so that God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness. And I'm going to say something, and maybe you picked up on it, maybe you didn't. God saved us for his glory. For his namesake. And even as God's glorifying himself, right? even through his plan of salvation, we receive blessing. What do we receive? The gift of salvation. This free gift. Verse 8, we're saved by his grace alone, we add nothing to the equation. Not 1.01% at all. It's a free gift from God, not a result, because if we added anything to that equation, we can boast in that. And I talked about this with the youth group a few weeks ago. I said this, if Jesus Christ did 99.9% .9 of the work on the cross, right, and I did 0.1%, then I can boast in that 0.1%. I can say, Jesus, thank you for doing so much but David, good job on that 1%. You nailed it. Good job. And what I'm doing when I'm boasting myself, I'm taking away glory from Jesus. Right? The cross showed us there's no way we can save ourselves. Paul is saying it's a free gift from God for his glory and for our benefit, for our blessing. 
we add nothing to that equation. And if we boast in ourselves, we're taking glory away from Jesus. And I want to make this clear. We are not saved by our good works. The Bible actually says that even our, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God. And, I, and I, again, I use this with the youth group. When you apply for a job, you give someone your resume, right? And, and on that piece of paper, you make the best version of yourself. No one adds to their, or you shouldn't if you do, but no one adds on their resume, you know, here's a bunch of my weaknesses, and I failed out of this class, and I skipped class this many times, and I really like to call in sick to work, right? No one puts their, any bad things on their resume. When you give a resume to a job, it's the best version of yourself. And through Scripture, we know if we give God our best version, right? Here's our resume, God. Look at all the good works I've done. Look at how good I am. Apart from Christ and his righteousness, it's worthless. This paper is worthless. It's seen as filthy rags in God's eyes. Again, we're not saved by our good works. And in verse 10, he finishes. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, some people might say, well, well see, well, that's it. See, good works. We're, we're meant to do good works. But we know from Scripture, and even from James chapter 2, he talks about something called dead faith and alive faith. And in dead faith, there is no fruit. Jesus said you'll, you'll, you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears. Right? So even in our salvation, our good works don't produce our salvation. They do nothing for our salvation. But it's actually the opposite Many of our good works are produced by salvation, but make no mistake, they don't save you, right? They do not save you. So James talks about this alive faith. As we look at each other and, and as we, you know, I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your heart, right? Only God can judge and seize your heart. So if you make a claim and say, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, and yet you bear no fruit, you have no good works with that faith, James says that's a dead faith. That faith does not save you, right? Because you, your heart hasn't been transformed. We know from God's Word that we receive a new heart, and this new heart that we receive from the Holy Spirit within us, it longs to be like Christ. It longs for us to, to, to love Him and follow His commandments. But don't get that confused. We're not saved by our good works. We add nothing to the equation. It's all God and His grace for His glory. If we boast in ourselves, we're robbing Jesus of his finished work on the cross, of his glory. And I want to end with this. God has given us the free gift of salvation because of his great love towards us. We didn't earn it. We can't deserve it. It's all because of his amazing love and his amazing grace. And I told you it would be a little shorter this morning, and, and that's all I've prepared, and that's what God's put on my heart. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for this beautiful reminder of Your plan of salvation. God, we thank You so much for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our living hope, that we have salvation in Him alone and we're covered by His blood and His righteousness. We thank You for Your amazing love and Your amazing grace. I pray, Lord, that we remember that we add nothing to the equation. It's all for your glory, and because you glorified yourself, we get the blessing. We get a benefit that we can be saved and have a restored relationship with you. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody 
who's just, their, their heart, Lord, is, is, is calling out and they want to know more about you, Jesus. I pray that you give them boldness, that you give them courage to find an elder, find someone to talk to this morning. I pray, Lord, as we continue to sing some worship songs, that you receive all the glory and honor and power. We thank you and we love you, and in your holy name we pray. Amen.